now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't have to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal or ESA in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring. Ahoy, and welcome to another exciting adventure of Not Allowed to Die, your podcast about mental health, hosted by me, Dan Bagler, social worker and life enthusiast, and Mariska, the three-toothed feathered Dale Terrier, who is licking her paws as we speak. Today's topic is going to be about returning to the scene of the emotional crime. So I just got off a session with a client who said, oh my God, I'm feeling so embarrassed, so guilty. You are not going to believe it. I am talking to Giacomo again. Giacomo is a fake name to protect the anonymity. Um, But Giacomo was a romantic partner who was not super ready to commit. He spoke incredibly lovingly and was great at long marathon FaceTimes and texts and calls, but a long distance relationship. And when they were together, sometimes even when lying in bed, she would catch him messaging other girls. And he would say, well, it's just a friend or it's just whatever. Like, but, you know, this friend would say, love you, (laughs) that kind of thing in the text messages. And so she said, you know, is this a guy I can trust? And eventually, you know, when they were back in their home cities, she broke things off and found a different guy who was able to really commit more to her. But people find people at their same level of emotional health. And her new guy, Bartleby, we'll call him, uh, he went through a depressive episode and was like, listen, I am just not in a place where I can be a romantic partner to anyone. I just need time to sort my stuff out. And she said, well, you be upset if you found out that I went back to Giacomo. He said, yeah, because I think you'd be smarter than that. I think you wouldn't want someone who can't really be committed to you in a faithful way. So, you know, she and Bartleby stopped talking for two weeks now. And meanwhile, Giacomo had been messaging her and texting her and whatever all throughout, like trying to reach out, win her affection back. Um, And she had started giving into it and just having conversations. Now, again, they're in separate cities. It's not like they've physically hooked up or done anything. But this question, why go back to the scene of the crime? Why go back to this person who has such a high potential for disappointing us? And the answer is simple, because it's actually pretty safe. 
like when we know that this thing is probably going to break down, then we're not super disappointed when it happens. Yes, we are still disappointed. But comparing that to what's her other option? She needs energy, attention, and care. The healthiest thing would be for her to get that energy and attention and care from friends, from family. But her family is problematic, we'll say. <laughs> and her friends also have a lot of their own emotional health issues and struggle with being consistent in their support. She has reconnected with a few good friends, and that's the way she wants to go. We're also you know, trying to find her a new job and whatnot, where she can again, Phil, that she should be journaling, writing, painting, doing all the things that she does that make her feel good about herself. But none of that is going to make her feel wanted, attractive, important in the way Giacomo can. So even though she knows he's probably going to be messaging other women and doing those things, it's safer than going on Tinder and meeting some random guy for a date or whatnot. Because what are the odds that that guy is going to turn out some the man between, you know, in his 20s is going to turn out to be just out for a healthy, intimate relationship? Eh, not super great. And even if that guy was there, Mr. she found Mr. Right, would she, is she in an emotional place where she would be ready for Mr. Right right now? And the answer is absolutely not. She would run screaming for Mr. Right right now. So it's understandable why she would find comfort in Mr. Absolutely Not Right, even though there's a part of her that is kind of hoping, well, maybe if we just fix this thing up here or change that thing there. Most of the clients I work with are women, and they are often looking for a bit of a fixer-upper. I love those HGTV shows about, you know, the couple or whatever who finds this house that, or the mother-daughter combo who finds this house and they see the potential for it and they you know they find the new paint and the tile and whichever else and it turns out there's some horrible electrical problem in there all the time but you know they work together and they get it fixed and a lot of my clients that's what they're looking for in a partner they want to be needed one of my male clients he and i were talking the other day and about the struggle that he's having he's in his early 30s and just wants to find a partner and start a family and he focuses so hard on being the perfect partner and all the things he should be doing for the woman that would be his, the mother of his children. And I asked him, what do you want her to do for you? And he was dumbfounded. He's like, I've actually never thought about that. I said, well, maybe that's one of the reasons why you're having such a hard time getting relationships to stick is because most partners want to be needed a little bit. They want to know what they're doing for you. And if you are a totally independent agent and it's all just try, you trying to serve them, there's no reciprocity there. So people wanting to be needed and knowing, like there's a great scene in When Harry Met Sally where Carrie Fisher's character is dating this man who is married and she's out to lunch with some friends and she keeps, keeps saying, he's never going to leave her, he's never going to leave her. And all of her friends say, yes, he's never going to leave her. And the value though of dating that married man is... She knows he's never going to leave her. So the reason that she's not going to get what she wants in a relationship is not because she's not good enough, but because in her mind, she just picked a guy who's just such a devoted husband. It's not until later in the movie, she meets one of Harry's friends and allows herself to, to really go for the brass ring, to really try for a shot at the relationship where she gets all of it. And, you know, in the, in the movie, they, those two end up together. 
It's surprising and disappointing for many of us when people we care about go back to people we've seen hurt them. Because we were there helping clean them up when that person bloodied and bruised their them emotionally. When, you know, so we've dusted them off and we say, gosh, please just don't go back to that again. But we weren't there to feel the good feelings that they were given by that person. And until they know where to replace that, then they're going to keep returning to that same spot. There's a book that's often used in uh, MBA programs called Who Moved My Cheese? And in it, Sniff and Scurry are two rats, and Hem and Haw are two little men. And they live in this maze, and every morning they go to Cheese Station C, where they find their cheese, and they eat it. But one day they show up to Cheese Station C, and there's no cheese there. Well, Sniff and Scurry, the rats, they just put their shoes on, and they run down the maze and just try to find the new cheese. But Hem and Haw, they... Like they just keep going back to cheese station C because they're like, well, what if they're going to replace that cheese tomorrow? What about the next day? What about if we, where else are we going to find it? And they don't want to give up on going back to the last place where they found their sustenance. And that's where hanging on, returning to the romantic scene of the crime is a problem, is when we're not searching out that new cheese, that new love, that new sustenance, because we're stu- too committed to being back in that place. But it's also not stupid because it is sometimes more likely to find that sustenance where it used to be than to try to find it somewhere totally new. And it feels like less of a risk. And even if it's kind of like the, the three second rule of dating, oh gosh, I, you know, I dropped it on the floor, but I can still brush it off a little bit. And you know, it's, it's okay. You know, it's not ideal, but it's, I can still eat it. And so I can still get that sustenance somehow there. And so in the case of my client tonight, I wanted to take her shame away. And say, if this is what you need to do while you are healing and working on yourself, if you need to have a pretty much online and telephonic relationship with someone because he's filling you with energy, attention, and care, do what you got to do. Is it on the positive side of the number line? No, it's not. But, you know, again, right now, it's probably better than what, because if she were to, again, to go out on a date, she is not in a healthy enough state to attract a truly healthy partner. So in the meantime, we have to just continue to get her to pursue all the other healthy things that she can do to be the healthiest version of herself. The, you know, call her grace, the grace that she wants to be. And the more that she's acting like that, then again, hopefully she will find someone who is a little bit healthier. And the way she found uh, Bartleby was again, just when she had that same, that attitude, she was just going out and meeting people and just bumped into him. And so that's what we want to do is put ourselves in a position where we're just open to meeting new friendships. We're not looking for a romantic relationship. I said, let's tell ourselves it would be awesome if you were single on Memorial Day weekend, but feeling like the healthiest version of yourself. But we're going around trying to be open to making connections. And if we meet that you know, right person, we're going to be open to it. So Giacomo is not going to prevent us from doing that. As long as we can commit to that, not allowing that to prevent us, then it's okay if we play around with that. Where I find it to be most self-blame and toxicity is I've had several clients who have kind of returned to the scene of the literal crime with someone who sexually assaulted them. And they went back and slept with that person again. And they're like, what is the matter with me? Like, why would I do that? And the answer is often that experience was so jarring and terrible that we just want it to be not true. 
And if we can go back and recreate it, and it's like doing it again correctly in some way, that, okay, now if I did it with my own consent and my own volition, then maybe that sexual assault never happened. Maybe I can kind of erase it. And then that's where there's confusion in law enforcement in particularly, where it's like, well, how could how could this be a sexual assault if they went back and continued to have a relationship with that person? How much could they really have been bothered by it? Maybe this is just sour grapes. And no, we want to recreate our life and change the narrative, change the story, take power over it. So that in this sexual assault scenario, power was taken away from me. But if I can do it again where I am feeling like I have the power, then maybe it'll feel different. In my experience with my clients, that it doesn't really work. But maybe for some it does. I mean, maybe those are the people who I'm not seeing. Um, but it doesn't make it crazy and it doesn't make it stupid that a person would want to return to the scene of the crime and see if they could psychologically fix it. When you are dealing and trying to support a person who's got that one, again, talked before about that partner, that unhealthy toxic, toxic partnership of like an addiction to unhealthy love. Well, again, it's if you're judging them, they are, you are not going to be able to help them get through it. You're not going to be able to help them move away from that partner who is emotionally abusive, physically abusive, or just using them, who is a fuckboy or whatnot. Uh, so the way we help a, part, a friend through that is by really listening to them with curiosity about what were you getting out of that? Is there any other place that we can find that sustenance that you need? And hopefully, let's start filling up in these other places in many different ways, finding love, care, intimacy in non-sexual, non-romantic ways. And then maybe we can separate away from that. But we can't take something away without replacing it with something else. So in hearing and in caring, we have to stop the judgment and increase the curiosity and really put ourselves in the perspective of that other person. And realizing that they, there may be something of value still in that person who has wronged our friend, this person that we care about. And that they might not be an idiot for wanting to go back to it, but hopefully they can not be afraid to find out where they can get sustenance somewhere else. Because there are so many partners for us out there. There are so many other places that we could get that energy, attention, and care. So if we can just be willing to look for it. But I get the, the chase gets exhausting. This client asked me, she's like, maybe I could just be celibate for the rest of my life and be single. And I kind of laughed because I know her very well. And that's just, some people could do that, but that's just not how she's built. She wants a romantic partner who's also her best friend. And Mariska is disgusted by that. If you've heard her gagging over there, that's because, uh, you know, she's just not pro-romantic relationships. She believes in empowered women who should just be able to stand on their own. But in Mariska, that's not for everybody. It's okay if some people want to have a partner. And so in the case of this person, I know that that's where she'd be at her happiest and her healthiest. And I know she's really built for that. And that's going to be great when she finds the right person. So in the meantime, if Giacomo's a bit of a placeholder, it's okay. But we still will continue the process of trying to create her healthiest self. So if you have questions about, you know, returning to the scene of the emotional crime or whatnot, the romantic crime, email me at daniel.magler, that's M-A-I-G-L-E-R, at live.com. And until we speak again, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You're just not allowed to die.